Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Tomorrow is National Book Lovers Day, so we're hitting the archives to hear from famous novelists. Best-selling author David Baldacci joined me in 2018 to discuss Endgame, part of his Will Roby series. Mr. Baldacci, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on WTOP today. Absolutely. Uh, now we're here talking about your, your new book, Endgame. We're on number five for the series here, but uh, explain uh, just before we dive too much into your career, and I want to get into your Virginia roots and all of that great stuff, but um, let's hit them with the premise of the book, how how sort of the handler for Will and Jessica, the blue man, has gone missing this time. Yeah, um, Roby and Real are overseas on separate assignments. He's in London, she's in the Middle East, and the first six chapters, you see what they're doing over there, and they survive some horrific situations and come back to the States to be told that Blue Man, that's his code name of the agency, their handler and closest confidant, has gone. He's banished from the face of the earth in eastern Colorado, where he goes every year for vacation. That's where he's from. And so they're sent there, not on a mission overseas to protect the United States, but they're sent there to find him quickly as possible. Obviously, he has a lot of very valuable intelligence in his mind, and they're afraid the foreign government has snatched him, so they have to find him as quickly as possible. Seeing as this is the fifth for Will Roby, why, why do you think the characters provided such inspiration for you? You know, it's a, I, when an author returns to the same one over and over again, I mean, A, yeah, I know that it, it helps. The fan base is already invested, so they'll probably buy the books. Obviously, there's a little bit of that, but more so it's just the writer inspiration part. You know, why do you keep returning to him and, and he keeps providing fodder for your imagination? You know, it's kind of like a, a television series where you have a chance each week with a new episode to um, extrapolate out and evolve the character uh, over the course of a, a season or two or ten seasons. And the same with a series and a book. So every book I get a chance, I have 500 pages or so, where I can evolve the character, in this case of Will Roby and Jessica Reel, to deepen it, to broaden it, uh, to make it more intimate and more personal, and allow them to change and grow over time, as we, as we all do. So it allows the reader, too, an opportunity to see these characters more than just one time in a single book, and they can see how they change from the very first book in the series, The Innocent, uh, to the fifth book in the series, Endgame. And it's, it's just kind of a cool thing, you know, you're sort of aging along with the characters and seeing how they change. Absolutely. Um, this next one's sort of a, a two-parter question. Um, I guess first, what's going to make this fresh compared to the other ones in this in this Will Roby series? But then the the B part of it is how much of, the, of those same elements that we've all grown to love are also here too. You know, so how do you keep it fresh, but also weave in the elements that we love? Well, you know, to answer the second part first, I would say that they definitely in the first six chapters get to see what they've seen in every book with Will Roby and Jessica Real. That's just kind of the their skills and the mayhem that they can cause and how deadly they are. You'll see that in the first six chapters with those two characters. So that's kind of the core with them. And also how they work together as they have in previous novels and how they complement each other with their different skill sets. 
um, the thing that's a little bit different about this one is, in all the other previous books, Blue Man has always been in the background, not the focal point of the action. He's been the supportive one that you see maybe in the middle of the book or the beginning or a little bit at the end, and that's it. He has no real hand in the outcome. In this book, he's front and center. He is the object. He is the subject of the entire book. He is the... You know, he is the goal at the end that they need to find him. So he permeates throughout the book. And you also discover a lot about Blue Man's past because they have to go to the hometown, his hometown, where he grew up. People who knew him before he was Blue Man. So that's a very different element of this novel. And at the same time, you're going to see Real and Roby really struggle uh, personal, personally. Uh, their relationship has kind of hit uh, a wall. And neither one of them are really sure where this is going to go, what life is going to have for them in the future, and whether they're even even going to be together anymore, whether they should be together. So they're struggling with a lot of personal stuff in addition to trying to find Blue Man. Would you recommend they go back and read the other ones? Like, will they be lost in this? Or is it a, an okay standalone uh, gift for someone to give this year? Well, my you know my pet answer, and the answer my publisher uh, would want me to give is <laughs> need to read every book I have ever written in order to fully appreciate Endgame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, the, rea- the reality is that this you could read this as a standalone. I like in all of my books to give a little thumbnail of the background of the main characters. You know where they came from and what they sort of done in the past. So you could read Endgame not having read the previous four novels and be largely okay. Uh, there will be some things you would miss that obviously uh, you know I can't include everything that was in the previous four books for you to understand completely. But there's definitely enough in there for you to be able to read this book as a standalone. Absolutely, I kind of want to know just because you've been at it for a long time, and you know you what is it 110 million copies in print right now? Um, yeah. So has the the Will Roby has this been one of the more rewarding rides uh, creatively for you, or which novel of yours over the years are you most proud of? Yeah, you know, it's, it's almost like which which child do you love the most? For me, when my kids are growing up, it depended on the day. <laughs> we're we're going to make you pick on the book, not your kids. <laughs> um, years ago, I wrote a book that was not um, not a thriller. It was called Wish You Well. It was one of them, sort of a family story, very personal story, period piece set in the 1940s. The story was fictional, but the place setting was very, you know, identical to how my mother's family grew up. Uh, so that was a very personal book for me on a variety of levels. Uh, if I had, if I have to pick a book that I thought was, you know, the one I enjoyed the most and loved the most writing, it would, it would be Wish You Well. Uh, as far as thrillers go, it's, you know, I have a lot of favorite series. I think probably the one that if I had to pick would be The Camel Club. They are, you know, this eccentric group of older guys getting into trouble all the time. They're very different from anything you've ever read out there in the thriller world. And, uh, even though I haven't had a Camel book in you know a number of years, fans still clamor for more Camel Club, so it's definitely a popular one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. 
Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Well, speaking of Wish You Well, tell us, our listeners, about the Wish You Well Foundation, uh, how you started it. and Well, in case they're not familiar with it, explain the great work you guys do. My wife and I started it about 16 years ago, and we um, give money to fund literacy organization programs across the country. We funded programs in pretty much all 50 states and counting. About uh, several weeks ago, we had our latest board meeting. We approved uh, the grant of over $300,000 in programs uh, to about probably 20 or so organizations across 15 or 16 states. And we've also evolved as a foundation where we, uh, our core is literacy because that is the key skill you need. We've also expanded out into supporting other efforts including life skills. Our goal is not just to have people be able to read a book at the end of this pipeline journey. It's to have, for them to have increased job skills, marketable skills, where they can go support themselves and their families on a more sustainable basis, empower them to have a better life, more, a more dignified life. And that, you know, that raises the lives of everyone around them and makes the world a better place. So we really have broadened our spectrum of support, and we think it's the right way to go. Awesome. Well, I definitely want to um, get into, uh, I mean, we're a D.C. radio station, so I got to get into your childhood in, in Virginia. Explain to our listeners uh, where in Virginia. I, I was born and grew up in Richmond, Virginia, uh, just down the road from D.C. I went to school um, in Richmond College. I went to law school down the road in Charlottesville, Virginia, in UVA. I moved up to D.C. to practice law, um, and I've been up here ever since. Uh, we raised our, got married here, raised our kids in the uh, northern Virginia area, and you know, a lifelong Virginian, pretty much every book I've ever written has some element of Virginia in it. I like to highlight the Commonwealth as much as I can. I'm very interested in, you know, Virginia politics and a lot of friends in Virginia from all walks of life and been all over the state. And uh, I think it's a fantastic place both to live and to work and to write about. Definitely. When, when you were growing up in Richmond, what made you start, you know, uh, veering into the writing world? Did you have favorite authors growing up, either in this genre or any genre? Um, or, you know, when did you sort of say, you know what, I, I might be able to do this? I love reading. I think that um, a lot of writers will tell you that they began their love of writing because they were readers. And I certainly was the case. As a little kid, I read all the time, went to the library all the time. I grew up, you know, in a family of storytellers. My, my maternal grandmother lived with us for the last 10 years of her life. She was a former school teacher from southwest Virginia, and I would go to her room every morning before I would go to school as a little boy and listen to her tell stories of yesteryear. And, uh, and when I was eight or nine years old, I was one of those kids that constantly told tall tales and yarns, you know, to get myself out of trouble. And my mom bought me a journal one time and said, you know, why don't you try writing some of this stuff down? And I did. And I thought, my God, you know, I can, I can write something that other people can read. I can be a creator of a book that other people can read and enjoy, just like I do when I open a book. And years later, you know, I went back to Mom and said, you know, my God, Mom, what, what a gift you gave me. Thank you so much. And she said, well, I'm so glad it's worked out for you, honey. But quite frankly, you know, I just wanted to shut you the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> that was her end game. <laughs> that was her end game, yeah. Even moms need a little peace and quiet. <laughs> but, which, I mean, you mentioned those library trips, but like, which authors really spoke to you? Well, growing up, too, I, I really matriculated to either two principal genres. One was fantasy, 
Lost Eight Three. One was fantasy. One was biography. I used to love those books in the library where they would write their biographies of famous people, but only of their childhood. So you learned about them from the day that they were born until they were eighteen, and then you knew what they did afterwards. But as a little kid, I was fascinated by the fact that I was learning about all these childhoods. I was reading about famous people at the age that I was at the time I was reading about them, and then I also loved mysteries. Um, you know, I grew up reading Sherlock Holmes and Agatha Christie and The Hardy Boys and The Three Investigators, and I love the puzzle aspect to that, putting all the clues and pieces together, red herrings, and trying to be one step ahead of the reader. So those are books I really, really fondly remember. That's awesome. How about uh, contemporaries? You know, now that you're an established author yourself, who, who are you digging on um, of your peers? Oh, you know, Nelson DeMille, uh, Scott Turow, Patricia Cornwell, um, Stephen King, um, Bob Crace, who writes Elvis Cole series, Lisa Scottolini. Um, you know, I'm a big mystery thriller uh, fan. I read a lot of Mike Connolly, and, you know, I know them all, and uh, they're great people, great writers, and, you know, it's always nice to crack open one of their books and just lose yourself. Awesome. Closing seconds here. What do we got coming up next? Uh, I know you're busy promoting Endgame, but any other ideas percolating for the next one? Yeah, you know, I've, I just finished the book for the spring. It's called The Fallen. It's Amos Decker. He's my memory man, so he'll be out next April. And I, I love this character. He's my newest, you know, series creation and really very fresh in my mind. I like writing about him. I'm Hallmark, I'm one of the few thriller writers that have ever had a Hallmark Hall of Fame movie made. It'll be out the Saturday after Thanksgiving. It's called The Christmas Train. It's a book I wrote a number of years ago. It's a very lighthearted mystery, you know, romance set on a train going across the country during Christmas. It's got a, you know, pretty cool feature film cast. Hallmark's very excited about it. I'm going to sit down with my family and watch it on Saturday. Well, there's your Agatha Christie uh, influence right there, the mystery train. I love it. Uh, Yeah. uh, (laughs) Well, you've been more than generous with your time. David Baldacci, thank you so much for for coming on WTOP. I mean, we're your hometown radio station, so come back and say hi again. I know. I listen to WTOP all the time. Glass (laughs) Enclosed Nerve Center. (laughs) (laughs) Baldacci on the (laughs) eights. That's right, exactly. (laughs) Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.